Holy! We have a big show for you tonight. All right, guys, welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today with us, as you can see, is the comedian, actor, John Reap. John, thanks for taking some of your time. I know it's valuable. I know it's precious uh, to help keep the nostalgia alive and uh, do a quick interview with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, man. Anything to pass the time because, uh, you know, as sure as you can imagine, uh, I, I'm on lockdown like everybody else. I'm hunkered down in Hickory. I had to cancel all my tour dates. So um, this is the perfect time to ask me to do something. <laughs> and, and, and what do you do during this lockdown? I know uh, this morning I got a notification of a new uh, episode of Countrish, which I think yeah. people can also get on YouTube and also on johnreap.com backslash podcasts. Yeah, you can go to countryishpodcast.com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we put new ones out every Friday. Um uh, audio and video at countryishpodcast.com. And um, then what we do is Monday through Thursday, we cut it up into 10-minute little segments, and we put those videos out uh, each week, uh, every day of the week. So today's – what you saw today was a segment that we do on the show called Goodwill Hunting. So I got a buddy of mine named Mark Hunt, and we go to Goodwill, and we buy gifts for each other, $5 or less – and we exchange it on the show, but it has to make sense as to why we got it. You know, it's like goofy gag gifts you would never buy yourself. And uh, it's like an unboxing thing we do. It's a lot of fun. Um, so it, and tell everybody uh, here in about an hour, you're going to be doing walkie talkie with your mom. When, how did you come up with that idea? Which is fabulous, by the way. Thanks. No, I was just, uh, you know, trying to get uh, her and me out of the house for a little bit of exercise. And when the weather's nice, it is fun to get out there. And um, on Facebook, I do a lot of live interacting stuff with my fans. So I thought, why not uh, just call it walkie-talkie? I walk around the block. I talk to uh, my mom, who I've nicknamed Mamosa, and we take questions on Facebook Live. And uh, it, I, that didn't that didn't that wasn't planned. That just kind of happened one day, and people liked it, and we just kept doing it. And, and, you know, you're walking around your neighborhood. I'm assume you know, I, I've seen cars pass you while you're doing the walkie-talkie. Uh, I'm assume you're known in your neighborhood, right? Yeah, there's several times uh, people stopped and chatted with us. I've, I've run into my old high school art teacher one time. I've run into my own brother. I've uh, run into uh, 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 a guy named uh, Frosty, who's like a handyman who comes over and helps out with, uh, you know, the like just uh, we had a refrigerator repair and that guy can he can fix anything. So uh, uh, there are people working on our swimming pool right now. So it's just whoever we run into. And uh, we just n mostly just talk to the fans, you know. You know, John, when I was a kid, uh, I used to get in a lot of trouble, especially in elementary school. And my mom would tell me she would say. They're laughing at you, not with you. Were you ever told that? And what does that actually, the definition of that mean? Uh, yeah, well, laughing at you is, you know, that's where you don't know you're being funny. Uh, <laughs> and they're laughing at you. If they're laughing with you, then, you know, you're trying to be funny. 
it was on purpose, uh, and that's what that is. I've I've dabbled in both of those. Um, I get I get most of my comedy. Uh, I mean, my dad was the funny one when I was growing up. My dad got class clown in high school. Uh, I got it my senior year. My brother got it his senior year. Uh, it was just something in the blood, I guess. But my dad, to me, was funniest when he wasn't trying to be funny, and I was laughing at him. But he's also capable of making you laugh if he chose to. So uh, yeah, he he's uh, he's skilled in both arenas of that. Does most of your material come from life experiences, or does some of it, you know, come to you in a dream, or you you just uh, you know you're in the bathroom looking at yourself in the mirror or whatever? How how does your comedy come to you? Both actually. Uh, um, one of my favorite bits. Uh, it's an old bit now, but. Uh, it came to me while I was sitting in traffic with nothing to do, and I just started thinking about stuff. Um, but it's 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 I, for me, it comes from real life stuff, stuff that happens to me. Every comedian's different, and there are many ways of doing it. There's not a right way or a wrong way. But for me, I'm I'm more of a storyteller kind of guy, and and I like to tell stories of things that happen to me or someone that I know, so that it is uh, original and unique and. I find the difference between storytelling and joke telling, and I do appreciate both. And I'm not a great joke writer, which is why I stick to the storytelling side of it. But the good thing about a good story is you can tell the story forever and people are going to want to hear it again and again and again because you add things, things change, you're acting it out. It's a journey. If you hear a joke one time, you're like, okay, next, I get the joke. You don't want to hear the same joke over and over, but a story can live forever. It's like, hell, come here, you got to tell them this story. You know, they'll bring new people in and, and want to hear stories. But uh, for me, it's real life events that happen. A lot of it's based on my dad. Um, he's almost died a bunch of times, and there's comedy gold there. You know, I've seen you three times and, and uh, uh, at the improv here in Houston. And, um, you know, I have seen a lot of com comedians, a lot of comedians. And, you know, you're nice enough to come out and uh, take pictures with the crowd and, and mingle with the crowd. And you're one of the only comedians, and I've probably been to 50-plus shows, maybe even more, that are the same on the stage and off the stage. H how do you keep that? You know, I I'm assuming sometimes, you know, and, and this is going into another question, too, is that, uh, I'm sure people want to come up to you and tell you something funny. Oh God, yeah, uh, that part <laughs> that part gets annoying, especially if there are people behind them who are ready to take a picture or buy a T-shirt, and this person is trying to hog up all the time with a long story. And I already know how how it ends, so I, I'm very polite about it, you know. But I'm like, hang on one second, let me get to that guy, and then you keep talking to me. But uh, yeah, they, you know, people love to tell you stories and jokes. Uh, that happens, but. Uh, as far as being the same on stage and off stage, um, yeah, I kind of, I guess I kind of am, um, but I don't understand. I don't, I don't really travel with other headliners, so I don't know how they do it, and I don't know what the difference is. So what you're saying, you've seen fifty plus shows. You'll see a comedian on stage do a good show, and then come out and do a meet and greet, and they're totally different. Uh, yeah, yes, exact, exactly. 
And are they just rude or well, well, just... you know, you know, I, I, which leads to, you know, how do you keep, how do comedians keep that energy? I mean, you got, you got to keep that energy because also on and off the stage and even probably I'm assuming traveling through an airport or, or, or whatever you, you know, you're, you're still selling yourself. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Cause uh, I look at it when I walk into the comedy club, as soon as I walk in the door, I'm at work uh, and I don't get to clock out until I'm back in my hotel room. So that includes the meet and greet. So even though I'm being funny on stage, that, that doesn't mean my job is over. My job now is to go do the meet and greet and make these people happy, take as many pictures as they want and sell some merchandise on the way. Um, so yeah, you want to be, uh, you know, you want to be pleasant while you're trying to sell things, but, um, I'm mostly pretty chill anyway. It takes a lot to really get on my nerves. Um, because I've been the opposite of that too. So <laughs> I have a high tolerance for drunk people, I guess. <laughs> and most of them are drunk by the end of the show. Yeah, that's true. You, you know, my brother is in a rock and roll band, uh, and, uh, he's been in there for 16, 17 years. And he would always take a shot of Jack Daniels before he would go on stage. What calms you down? Are you nervous even after you've been in it for so many years? What calms you down? What pumps you up? What gets you ready to go out and entertain us? I have a pre-show beverage of my own that I do. Um, I, I like like a, a sugar-free Red Bull and a little bit of vodka. So you get a little bit of energy and a little bit of uh, alcohol at once. I'm sure that's horrible for you health-wise, but it, it gets me a little bit pumped up. Um, so I'll do one or two of those before the show, and then after I will switch to something else, like maybe a whiskey or a beer. It depends on my mood and what time of year it is. <laughs> uh, as you can see on in the background, people listening to this and watching, I have uh, a slideshow going on in the back. And uh, yeah. we, we really got with you with Last Comic Standing 2007. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about that experience. And is that where it just all went crazy or was it beforehand with Rodney? Yeah, it's weird, right? Like um, the, the, the first big thing that I did that everyone uh, kind of remembers is the Dodge truck commercials. I did those first, and uh, I used that, you know, to sort of become a headliner. I would like, you know, they wouldn't say John Reap because no one knew who John Reap was. They would say the Dodge Hemi guy, and then people would go off of curiosity alone, buy a ticket, and see, well, let's go see what this guy is about. Um, but then what changed after that was being on Last Comic Standing. Um, and I think at this point I had already done uh, Rodney's sitcom, I had already done a half-hour special on Comedy Central. Um, I was already touring uh, colleges all over the country. I, I, I wasn't, like, hurting for money or anything. Um, but the, uh, the, the appeal of it being a primetime network TV audience is, was really good because, you know, it put me on the map as a stand-up. Before that, people were like, oh, who's this funny dude in a commercial? Oh, who is this funny dude on Rodney? Now it's like, oh, there's John Reap because they had they had my name on the screen the whole time. So after Last Comic Standing, people started remembering my name a little bit more, and and that totally helped. It's it was a, uh, a worldwide audience. It wasn't just in America. My season was the only season that they uh, did the competition in Canada, the UK, and Australia. So it was a huge audience. 
Do you have your SAG card in your wallet? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Did you like to see it? I mean, I just went to the doctor the other day, and uh, Best Buy. I got all kinds of cards in here. Let's see here. So I had to use it. Well, this is the this one's for prescriptions. And <laughs> this is for insurance purposes. But I don't I actually don't carry the Screen Actors Guild card itself. I keep it in a drawer right here. Um, but yeah, I'm a member and I get residual checks all the time. And I love residual checks. That's one of the games that we play on the podcast. We play a game called How Much Is That Screen Actors Guild Residual Check? <laughs> And I come in with about four or five checks, and I, I let each one of my guys take a check, and they guess the amount. If they get it right, they get to have it. Now, they're never going to get it right. That's those, those odds are astronomical. But sometimes it's anywhere from one penny to like $3,000. Um, but it's interesting. We have a good time with that. What is the difference, or which do you like better, uh, being a comedian or doing the acting thing? I like both uh, for different reasons. Uh, I like the acting thing because you don't have to travel so much. You know, you go to one place and uh, you, you work there, you know, uh, on location somewhere or at a studio. Um, you know, there's very little travel involved and they treat you really good. You know, there's craft services, there's hair and makeup people. They really kiss your butt. Um, and that's very addictive. You get your own trailer, you know, it's kind of nice, uh, and, and they can pay you really good. Um, but there's no immediate sort of, uh, uh, confirmation that you did well. You have to like do it and then wait till it comes out and see how it did the ratings, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas in stand up, um, you know, right away, you know, if something worked cause you're just on stage you tell a joke, if they get a laugh, it's it's instant gratification. Um, and sometimes the pay can be good, and sometimes it can not be good, and sometimes the, the club can be uh, great, and sometimes it can be not so great. So it, uh, I am more familiar with the stand-up life. It's what I do most. Um, but one of the best jobs I ever had was just as an actor on the Rodney Carrington sitcom. Uh, what is it... How do you bring people into your inner circle just because of how successful you've been? Is it, is it hard to find people who are genuine or do you, have, do, you do a lot of uh, uh, people with references and stuff like that? Who, who do you bring into? Because, you know, you see a lot of biographies and movies and people brought somebody into the inner circle and, you know, Selena's manager shot her. So, you know, how, how, do you, how, how do you bring somebody into your circle or do you just have a circle and that's just what you have right now? Yeah, so that's a that's a very good question. No one's ever asked me that before, um, and I'm going to answer it honestly because when I lived in Los Angeles, I had different circles in different places, right? Um, I grew up in Hickory, North Carolina, had a circle here for a long time. Then I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, had to come up with a new circle. And then I moved to Los Angeles, had to come up with a different circle. Um, so now that I'm back in Hickory, it, it's the circle I had when I started the first time. So I'm hanging out with guys that I went to high school with and hung out with before I left here in 1992. So it's fun catching up, um, getting to know them all over again. And um, 
to get in the circle, it's it's tough to get in the circle because I've already established the circle so many years ago. Um, it's really tough, especially when you're 48 years old. You know, you know, you're not looking for a whole bunch of brand new friends. <laughs> now, like acquaintances is good. Uh, you can have good working relationships with people, um, and then maybe over time, that's a circle that develops. But um, I can tell you the incorrect way to try to get into a circle is to walk up to someone when they're trying to use the bathroom or if they're in a hurry uh, or they're trying to eat. Uh, that's not the right time to get into the circle. But, uh, yeah, um, and I miss my L.A. circle. When I was out in L.A. for 18 years, I had a buddy named Kyle Davis, my friend Shannon, my comedy store buddies at the comedy store. Um, and then um, – but they're still there. You know, when I'll go back out there and like probably twice a year, once this whole Corona thing clears up and uh, it's like nothing, it's like no time changes, you know, but that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, so how hard is it or what do you do? Cause you're, you're, you know, the final say in your material, but how do you take advice from someone that's in your circle or an agent or something like that? How do you, how do you take advice? Um, depends on who's giving it, I guess, you know, if it's someone who I, if it's about my career, if it's about comedy, then, um, it, it carries more weight if it's someone who's in the same business, you know, whereas if, uh, just a, a guy who I met, uh, randomly, you know, at a Home Depot tries to tell me what I need to do with my career, I really, I go, thank you. I appreciate, yes, thank you. You know, the one I hate the most is like, Hey man. You need you need to do a sitcom. I go, really? You think I never thought of that in my whole life? So like, those ones get on my nerves. I I don't. I'm not really rude about it, but um, it's uh, depends on who's giving me the advice. You know. Now, if it's about like uh, you know how to uh, put a trailer on the back of a car, how to hitch up a trailer and put a lawnmower on it, then I'll take that guy very seriously. What were some of the comedians that? the first comedians that you watched as a kid and, and, and when did that light bulb go off in your head? You know what? I'm going to make people laugh for a living. It's going to sound weird, but it's Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby himself. I remember that actual, uh, special. I think it came on HBO. It was clean. He came out. He just told stories about his family and I watched it with my family and I remember uh, being so amused and intrigued by how hard my dad was laughing at Bill Cosby. And it made me laugh and it made me go, I want to be able to do that. Um, I've always loved comedy before that. Like, you know, like I was a kid. So, like, I, I would watch, you know, when when you're a kid, you, you wake up on a Saturday or a Sunday morning uh, back in the 80s or whatever. You'd watch cartoons. Um but I would watch Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin movies because Jerry Lewis was the funniest thing in the world to me. Um, and then over time, that changed, you know. But uh, as you get older, your tastes change. But I, I remember Bill Cosby being the first one where I'm like, this is really good. How do you – is it done on purpose? You, you run a pretty clean act besides a word here and there. Um, is that something that you pride yourself on or could you go another route or you just, you know, because of the success you've had, you stay with what you're, you're doing now? 
Yeah, um, I started I started clean because I wanted to be able to get on uh, television, and before the internet and all that stuff, the that was the best way to do it. I mean, you would get more work if you could write clean, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't because of a moral stance or or anything like that. It was simply to get more work, um, and I enjoy guys who can do both, but. It, for that, I, I mean, I do have some R-rated stories. You just don't hardly ever see them unless you happen to come to a late show uh, on a Friday. Like, I kind of reserve those. If I have to follow someone who is uh, kind of already uh, a little dirty, then I, w- I would love to prove to that crowd that, oh, I can go there. I have, just, I have just chosen not to over the years. But believe me, I can go there. Who gave you your start? Who do you – who do you – do you have people that you – Oh, thanks to, or uh, if you wouldn't have met that person, or if you wouldn't have done this particular show, you wouldn't be where you're at today. Yes, a hundred percent. When I started out in open mic nights at Good Nights Comedy Club in Raleigh, North Carolina, I was going to NC State, and I went to their open mics, and the guy running it was a, a guy by the name of Dan French, very funny dude, comedian. Uh, he was also a teacher. And uh, he really, really helped out the open micers. Um, and actually, in my group of people from that era, I guess you would say, a lot of us, I mean, you know some of the names. Uh, there's a girl named Retta. She's like uh, sort of a heavy set black girl who's doing really well. She's on Parks and Rec and all kinds of shows. Uh, she was in that group. I had a buddy named Jeff Richards who went on to be on Saturday Night Saturday Night Live and Mad TV. It was from that group um, and me. <laughs> there was uh, uh, Doctor Ken. You know Doctor Ken. He he came and went a couple times. So it was a pretty interesting time. But Dan was running the class, and he was the one that would uh, let you on stage or not. And he really pulled me aside. And said, "Hey, I really think you could do this um, if you really focused." And so he sort of helped guide my career for a while. Um, with the coronavirus going on and everybody down on lockdown, uh, what's what what's the future hold for uh, for John Reap? I mean, uh, shows have been canceled and postponed. Uh, do you continue? Are you um, still going to uh, travel the United States and tour? Do you have any um, shows or any specials coming out? Yes. Um, well. I moved out of L.A. about two years ago for many different reasons. Uh, one, my career has always done like this, this peaks and valleys. Um, and I'm kind of established. It, what I mean by that is I already have managers and agents in L.A. who are taking meetings on my behalf all the time. And uh, I don't really need to be there for that. I don't need to go showcase myself. People kind of already know who I am a little bit, like within the, within that world behind the doors, you know. Um, and even when it comes to auditions, uh, I've just taped myself uh, somewhere in a hotel room on the road and sent it in, and I've gotten parts that way, Eastbound and Down, Harold and Kumar. Uh, I've gotten parts just from that. So I started thinking, why am I, why am I still in Los Angeles if I really don't need any of this? Um, I was by myself. I was divorced. Uh, I started to miss my family a lot. And I thought, you know what? These are all signs. And my house actually went up in value 
So I thought, let me put it on the market. I'll sell it, and if it if it sells pretty quick, that's going to be a sign. And as soon as I put it up on the market, I got an offer. I'm like, this is crazy. So I sold it, and I flew my dad to Los Angeles. We packed up all my stuff, and we drove it across the country. And now I'm just sitting on that cash. I really don't have to do anything. I have no bills. I'm, uh, my dad had a stroke after we moved back home. And now he is in a skilled nursing facility. So I'm with my mother now, taking care of her and him. My mom's got glaucoma. She's got brittle bones. And so I'm, I've turned into a caregiver. Now, I love it. I'm so fortunate that I was able to do all of that. And the timing was crazy. Then a pandemic happened. So I'm set here fine. I do tour. This corona messed all that up. But I don't need to tour. Um, what I like doing recently, and this is something I've been doing anyway, is working on this podcast. I would love to make this podcast uh, one of the biggest ones to where I wouldn't have to go on the road and make money. I could just do my podcast from right here in Hickory and then go on tour whenever I felt like it, just here and there. So those are the goals. Um, yeah. How does John Reap look for love? I have a girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, her name is Jody, and she's a Hickory girl. And uh, I met her almost two years ago or a year and a half ago. And uh, I don't have to look for it. I just call her up. <laughs> um, what is the most requested thing that people, you know, besides people coming up to you and t thinking that they're funny and telling you, giving you advice, what's, what, what will people come up to? Hey, will you do me a favor? Do, do that for me. Yeah, well, a lot of it's, and this won't die, uh, people love for me to say Hemi. Now, people love to ask me if I have a Hemi. They'll go, I think I got a Hemi, you know, which always gets me because it's a question. And in my brain, I feel like I have to answer it. So I go, no, or you're about to find out. So the fact that it's a question really gets me, right? So that's one. Um, but in terms of my stand-up, people love the uh, the story I tell about my dad almost uh, drowning trying to fix a hole in the bottom of our swimming pool by wearing a backpack full of rocks and trying to breathe through a garden hose. So they like that story. They like it when he ran over a bee's nest with a lawnmower. Um, those are the big ones. In, I know we're running a little bit long here, so I'll ask this last question. In, in what you do and how long you've been doing it, what are some of the people that you've met or some of the things that you've got to do that you stop and think, you know, if if I didn't do what I do, I would not have uh, experienced that situation. Yeah, um, there's a lot of those. It's great. Um, well, Brad Paisley, um, you know, he's a funny guy. I mean, he's gigantic country music star. He, uh, but he's also got a great sense of humor, and he loves he loves comedy. He loves stand up comedy, and. Um, because of that, I've been able to work with him. I mean, I, I flew on his private jet. I've opened up for him at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, we did a Netflix special together. So none of that would have happened if it weren't for comedy. I've hung out with uh, – I've gotten drunk with Vince Vaughn. Um, uh, you, you name it, any, any comedian that you could think of, you name it, I've probably gotten drunk with him. But, that, but that's because of the comedy store because all the comedians hang out at the comedy store. But um, – it's 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 a crazy crazy roller coaster of a career, and I never thought it would last this long. 
Um, but I'm so happy it did. John Reap, thank you so much for spending some time with us to keep the nostalgia alive. Uh, you can listen to Countryish with John Reap. Where? Go to countryishpodcast.com. Countryishpodcast.com. And they can also go to johnreap.com for uh, upcoming stuff, merchandise, right. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I got merchandise at johnreap.com. Um, I, I'm doing cameos as well because I can't go anywhere. But if people want me to do a special message for them, like I get them all the time. Someone say, hey, it's my uh, my girlfriend's birthday is next week. Can you send her a happy birthday message? And I record it. They write it, and I just read it and send it to them. So, um, and, uh, yeah, the tour dates are kind of on hold for now. So I'm really focusing on people trying to go to uh, countryishpodcast.com. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it. Keep us laughing. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Take care now.